Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, as we wind up another week here in Texas agriculture. And I'm standing by with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Southern Plains Crop Progress Report and the Drought. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Neighbor, you don't have to be involved in farming or ranching, per se, to know that it's dry in Texas, and you know that that will probably bring livestock to the auction. We'll talk about what's been coming, how fast and how hard they've been coming on today's edition of our program. I'm Larry Marble. Report from Mason down to Brenham and all points in between. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Governor Greg Abbott addressed the state's largest farm organization this week during a virtual session of the Texas Farm Bureau's annual meeting. Abbott pledged to work with Texas farmers in advancing priority issues during the upcoming legislative session, and one top priority is expanding broadband access for all of Texas. But I think we have an opportunity this session to achieve something that should be very helpful to the rural regions of Texas, uh, and that is broadband expansion. Uh, There's high demand for it, whether it be because of education purposes, because of work purposes, or whatever the reason. But it's something that that will uh, assist every region of the state. And we want to make sure that uh, the smallest little town or outpost and rural Texas is going to have the same broadband capabilities of Dallas, Texas, or Houston, Texas. And so let's work together on trying to achieve that. Abbott also took the opportunity to thank the organization for its service to rural Texas. I have a, a long history with the Farm Bureau. I have tremendous respect for uh, what the Farm Bureau does and for the role that you play in Texas. But also, I think one thing that's been abundantly clear to all of us in Austin, Texas, and that is the outsized role that rural Texas plays uh, in Texas and Texas politics. We view rural Texas as being vital uh, to the future of our state. But we, we want to do everything we can to assist rural Texas because rural Texas has played an outsized role in making sure that we keep Texas, Texas. Farm Bureau is holding a hybrid annual meeting this year with the virtual opening session on Monday, followed by district meetings throughout the state during the week and wrapping up with an in-person business session in Waco on Saturday. USDA released its weekly Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report on Monday. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at this week's report. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Livestock Condition Report for the week of November 23rd through November 29th comes from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Let's talk about the livestock range and pasture conditions first. Supplemental feeding is ongoing in most areas of Texas. Stock tank levels continue to decline in some areas of the cross timbers, the Blacklands, and southern Texas. Feral hogs persist to be a problem in areas of northeastern Texas, Pasture conditions were rated fair to poor. On to fruit, vegetable, and specialty crops. Pecan harvest continues in areas of the Edwards Plateau and south-central Texas. 
while harvest neared completion in areas of the cross timbers. Citrus and sugarcane harvest and winter vegetable growth uh, progressed in areas of the lower valley in the Rio Grande Valley. On row crops, cotton harvest neared completion in areas of the northern high plains and the Edwards Plateau. Disastered cotton fields were being shredded in some areas of the Texas low plains. An early freeze appeared to have caused lower than expected yields in areas of the southern low plains. Corn and grain sorghum residue was being plowed in areas of the blacklands. And on small grains, there is winter wheat seeding in areas of the high plains, the cross timbers, and the upper coast. Winter wheat fields were in need of moisture in many areas of the state, as soil moisture continued to decline. Some emerged small grains in the Blacklands and southern low plains are making progress. Just about every one of the 254 counties in Texas is experiencing some form of abnormally dry to exceptional drought. Just a handful of counties in deep east Texas along the state line with Louisiana and uh, a few counties in north Texas on the, the state line with Oklahoma are not having any drought or abnormally dry conditions at this time. Most of the extreme and exceptional drought is extending from the southern Texas panhandle through the south plains of west Texas down into the Trans-Pecos area covering much of far west Texas from the Guadalupe Mountains National Park down to the Big Bend National Park. There's also a stretch of extreme and exceptional drought extending from counties around the San Antonio area southwestward towards the Eagle Pass area. According to the Drought Impact Reporter, potential impacts from D4 or exceptional drought include exceptional and widespread crop loss being reported, rangeland is reported to be dead, and producers are not planting fields. Culling continues as livestock producers wean calves early and liquidate herds due to the importation of hay and water expenses, and there is extreme sensitivity to fire danger with fireworks restrictions in place. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dry weather here in Texas has affected the movement of livestock to auction markets. Larry Marble has more. Neighbor, if you weren't involved in the cattle business, but your home was near one of the livestock auction barns in our local communities, it wouldn't take long for you to understand that something's happening. Dry weather has brought cattle to town. Let's talk to just a few of the auction operators throughout last week and see what they had coming to the auction. Neighbor, let's head out to Mason, talk to Ken Jordan. Ken, you sell on Monday. What did you draw? You bet Larry went up 1476 just a few heads shy of the 1500 Neighbor, let's catch another Monday sale in a different region. Let's go down to Nixon. Gary Butler, how was your movement? Larry had a big sale. I wind up with 21, 28, 239 cows and 18 bulls. Neighbor, so you can see the numbers are climbing. Let's go from Nixon up to Hallettsville. Talk to Kim Hagen. Kim, you drew the numbers too, didn't you? Ended up with 31.15 last week, so had a good run of cattle and had a lot of good cattle. And neighbor, that brings us to Wednesday, and you know what the philosophers say about best laid plans. I think it happened to Brian Lentzman and family selling cattle at Seguin Cattle Company. Brian, you were planning on what? When I was thinking 12.13 yesterday, they never quit coming last night, so uh, we ended up with 1,433 head today. And neighbor, we've made it to Thursday, and the trailers are still lined up in places like Lockhart Livestock. Madison Bexley, what'd y'all draw? We had 19.05 with 215 cows and 25 bulls. 
231 sellers and 80 buyers. Now, neighbor, let's talk to Doug Bass from Cattleman's Brandon. They sell on Friday. Doug, why'd you draw? Oh, we had a good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 1,716 head of cattle. Doug, we wouldn't do these people justice if we didn't give the market trend toward the end of the week. How was it? Cow market looked like it was kind of just steady to the week before. And looks like to me, the lighter kids were a little higher, steady to higher. The bigger cattle looked a little cheaper to me. Well, neighbor, there's a look at the numbers coming to town. I'm Larry Marble reporting from, oh, let's say, Mason down to Brenham. USDA is taking actions to address beef industry concerns. Stephanie Ho has the story from Washington. USDA has been looking at two notable events that have affected the beef industry, the fire at a processing facility in Holcomb, Kansas, and the coronavirus pandemic. Our efforts were focused on being able to look for answers to help the beef industry understand what happened and why, and what could we do to maybe keep the market swing and the reactions in the marketplace from having adverse effect on producers in the future. Greg Ibaugh is USDA's Undersecretary for marketing and regulatory programs. He recently spoke at a webinar sponsored by the Extension Risk Management Education Program. It's a very important topic for me as well that we figure out how producers deal with market swings more effectively and we also look at what caused those and what USDA and other segments within the government may or may not be able to do to be able to help out at times like that. There are three areas that USDA has been focused on. We wanted to make sure that we looked at price discovery, competition, and transparency to make sure that those tools were active and those features were available to producers. Meanwhile, he points to some proactive activities USDA has been engaged in to address beef industry concerns. Within that bucket of what can the USDA do, some of the things we pointed to was producer education. And market news is one of the stalwarts of the Ag Marketing Service. We produce a number of reports each and every day that are available to livestock producers. He says he's not sure if everyone is aware that not only do these reports exist, but people can customize the data and information to make it more individually relevant. We also identified another opportunity in that some of our reports, their titles were ambiguous and some of them indicated that they may not be final reports. He was referring to what used to be known as estimated slaughter reports for cattle, which are now known as actual slaughter reports. So we changed the name of some of our reports that we thought would help the market react to actual slaughter each and every day. He also noted findings that USDA needs to do a better job encouraging livestock producers to use risk management tools. Grain farmers embrace risk management tools provided by USDA each and every day, and our livestock producers don't do that at the same level. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. If you're hunting in one of those areas of Texas that has both whitetails and mule deer, make sure you know the difference between the two. More on that coming up in today's Wildlife Report. And heartworms are a serious problem for dogs here in Texas, and they can even affect cats as well. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some new recommendations for treating them coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, 
We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Heartworms are a very serious problem for dogs here in Texas. Believe me, I know. My dog got them. You don't want to go through that treatment process. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some new recommendations for treating heartworms. And the American Heartworm Society changed some of their recommendations in April due to COVID-19, but have now gone back to their original recommendations, as most veterinary hospitals are back to functioning in a more normal manner. Year-round medication to prevent heartworms is recommended in all areas, but is especially important in southern states like Texas. Our mosquito populations are very high during most of the year, and most areas of Texas do not get enough cold weather to eliminate the mosquitoes. For this reason, it is not worth the risk in Texas to take your dog off heartworm prevention in the winter and take the chance of infection. Also, mosquitoes do come in your house. So even if the dog is inside 100% of the time and eliminates on puppy pads, heartworm prevention should still be used. The American Heartworm Society recommends annual heartworm testing for all dogs because although very effective, no medication is 100% effective. Lots of folks do not want to spend the money on testing their dog annually if they have not missed any heartworm preventative. But we never know about absorption of the drug or vomiting that occurs out of your sight after administering a tablet. If you have a dog already infected with heartworms, the Heartworm Society still does not recommend the slow-kill heartworm treatment method because the effectiveness varies and the length of time required to allow the heartworms to die can lead to permanent damage. Your veterinarian can explain about injectable heartworm treatment and answer any questions you may have. If you have other questions about heartworm treatment in dogs, contact me at TexVet at TXFB.org. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Now that deer season is underway in Texas, it's important to know what type of deer you're shooting at if you happen to be in those areas of the state that have both whitetails and mule deer. Sean Gray is mule deer and pronghorn program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. He says there are several characteristics you can watch for. Yeah, so uh, you can look at the ears. They're going to be much larger in, in a mule deer compared to a white-tailed deer look at their tails um and their in their rump the the mule deer will have a a pretty much big white rump patch and the tail will be white with a little black tip uh white-tailed deer will just be that you know that long brown tail with the white underneath it coat color maybe but i would basically go with uh, the ears the tail um, don't ever look at the antlers in general antlers on mule deer will, will uh, branch off the main beam uh, versus uh, a white tail will be like pointed right off of that main beam gray says in most counties the mule deer limit is one buck with a few exceptions one buck and then if we have uh, doe seasons then you'd be able to, um, it's only, the doe season's actually only in three counties in the Trans-Pecos where you could harvest antlerless deer with archery equipment. And so uh, those counties, you could 
you could either harvest a buck or a doe or two does. Sean Gray, mule deer and pronghorn program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. The cattle market took a bit of a tumble on Thursday. We ended up closing lower in cotton and wheat also. We'll take a closer look at our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market has had a pretty good week this week, but on Thursday, things turned sour just a bit. We ended up closing with triple-digit losses on most of our live and feeder cattle contracts. Here's a rundown of the prices. December live cattle dropped $1.10, dollar ten one oh nine sixty. February down a dollar thirty-five at one twelve fifty-seven. April live cattle down eighty-seven cents one sixteen thirty. In the feeder cattle market, January feeders dropped two dollars one thirty-nine eighty. March down a dollar sixty-five one thirty-nine thirty-two. The April down a dollar forty at one forty seventy. Looking at the cash fed cattle market. We did see some slow trade on Thursday morning right here in Texas. Those cattle selling at 110. That's steady money with last week. Some of the feedlots, however, are still holding out, hoping to get higher money on Friday, but the prospects don't look very good. We've already set the market in at about 110 to 111 this week. The futures market dropping is not helping things. Boxed beef prices also lower. Choice down a dollar thirty-seven at two thirty-nine fifty-two. Select down a dollar twenty-eight to twenty-one sixty-seven. Let's check a couple of auction barns now. We'll go to Lampasas. Lampasas cattle auction selling six hundred seventy head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar fifty-nine to a dollar eighty-five a pound. Three to four weight steers, a dollar fifty-seven to two dollars. Four to five weights, a dollar fifty to a dollar ninety-two. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-eight to a dollar sixty-five. Six to seven weights, a dollar seventeen to a dollar thirty-four. And the heavy seven to eight weight steers bringing ninety-four to a dollar fifteen a pound. Slaughter cows range from fifteen to fifty-six cents. Slaughter bulls fifty-six to eighty-one. Stocker cows brought five hundred to nine hundred ahead. Now down in South Texas, Gulf Coast Livestock Auction in Alice selling eight hundred thirty-two head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar thirty to a dollar fifty-five. Three to four hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-two to a dollar fifty. Four to five weight steers, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar fifty-eight. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar fifteen to a dollar forty-five. Six to seven hundred pound steers, a dollar eight to a dollar twenty-five. And the seven to eight weights bringing ninety-four cents to a dollar fifteen a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-eight to fifty-six cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-eight to seventy-eight. Stocker cows, seven hundred to a thousand dollars a head, 
Cow-calf pairs, $750 to $1,100 a pair. Now back over to the futures market. Lean hogs closed lower. December down 32 cents, 66.02. February hogs down 95 at 66.92. Class 3 milk was higher. December up 30 cents, 15.49. January milk up 36 at $16 even. The cotton market closed lower despite the fact that we had a really good-looking USDA export sales report Thursday morning. Shipments exceeding last week, and last week was fairly good. China reported as the lead buyer this week. We might be seeing some harvest pressure in the market. USDA reporting 84% of the cotton crop now harvested nationwide. If we get clear weather over the next couple of weeks, that should wrap up the season belt-wide. We closed with March cotton down 49 points, 71.11. May down 50 points at 72 cents even. December cotton down 27, 70.28 cents. The wheat market closed lower in a choppy trade. Not a lot of fresh news really to move this market one way or the other. We'll start with Kansas City hard wheat. The December contract down 5.5, 5.45. July new crop wheat down 3 and 3 quarters at 5.59. Soft wheat in Chicago lower, July down two and a half, five eighty-seven and a half. The corn market closed higher, December corn up three and a half at four twenty-two and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas taking a tumble down twenty-five cents, two fifty-two. January crude oil up forty-nine, forty-five seventy-seven a barrel. The financial markets higher, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 215 at 30,099. The Nasdaq up 69, 12,420. The S&P 500 up 13, 3,682. That wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'll see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.